Hello, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, January 4, 2022, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we're reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we're in Chapter 11 of Vision for You on page 157. On the sixth paragraph, we'll be reading and commenting on just that one paragraph only, which begins with, yes, that's me, said the sick man, and ends with, damn little laugh about that I can see. Today's readers are Esther F., Kathy W., Crystal P., Elena C., and Dara L., The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, January 3rd, 2022, are 18,347 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 18347 and 18,348 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 18348. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask after Esther F. to read the OA 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio, the 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
steps, we try to carry this message to the compulsive overeater and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther F. I will now ask Kathy W. to read the OA 12 tradition. Hi, this is Kathy W. from upstate New York, uh, the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create special service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions Ever, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Kathy W. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we will be reading and commenting on the sixth paragraph only on page 157, which begins with, yes, that's me, said the sick man, and ends with, damn little to laugh about that I can see. I will now ask Crystal P. to go ahead and read that for us. Yes, that's me, said the sick man, the very image. 
You fellows know your stuff all right, but I don't see what good it'll do. You fellows are somebody. I was once, but I'm a nobody now. From what you tell me, I know now more than ever, I can't stop. At this, both the visitors burst into laugh, into a laugh, said the future fellow anonymous. Damn little to laugh about that I can see. Good morning. This is uh, Crystal P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. When I read this paragraph, it reminds me of one of the um, one of the really dangerous lies that can keep me from recovery, which is that, you know, I get that it works for you because of X, Y, Z reason, but it just, I'm just different. It just won't work for me. This particular, this particular action doesn't make sense for me. This particular step doesn't make sense for me. Maybe, you know, I'll, I'll, I think to myself, oh, you don't understand. Like, I come from this particular, you know, cultural background, or I was raised like this, or you don't get it. Making phone calls is really hard for me, or I'm an isolator, and, you know, my, my job requires me to do this. And I have a billion reasons for why, you know, it, it all works for all of you guys, but just, it, just not me, because I'm just, you know, um, I'm just a different case. You know, and, and that is the most dangerous lie that will keep me from recovery. Because the truth is that, and what I'm reminded of in, in moments of sanity is this program has worked for millions of people with so many different addictions since the 1930s. All different cultural backgrounds, all different living environments, family backgrounds. If it worked for all of them, what makes me so special that it won't work for me? You know, and when I remember that thought and I just take the action, even though it doesn't make sense at the time and I can't imagine how I could be any different from how I am right now, how I could behave any differently and I still take the action anyways, that's when I found I begin to recover. And some of the most, you know, what I find most helpful, because, you know, when I talk to recovered people who have been in recovery for many years, they, they just seem to live this way of life so seamlessly. It feels like they were always like this. You know, they always lived with this, you know, this peaceful mind or, you know, without having these crazy thoughts about food or doing crazy things with food. It just, or, or even just looking at them in their normal body weight. It's like, how could you possibly understand what it feels like to be 250 pounds, to have the kind of thoughts I have to, to you know, do the kinds of things I do? And what is so helpful when I speak to recovered fellows and my sponsor is that, you know, they'll, they'll know exactly how I think. But what they'll say to me is, why do I know that? And the response is always because you used to do it too. And those are the two sources of hope. One is that they used to be exactly like me, and now they are not. And I need both of those pieces of information to have hope that I can be different tomorrow. If I practice these 12 steps in every aspect of my life and apply these principles in in the way that I live. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thanks, Crystal P. Now, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience, too. So if you haven't shared on A Vision for You on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the sixth paragraph on page 157 in the big book of AA, yes, that's me, said the sick man through damn little the laugh about that I can see, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Katie G from Boston. This is Larry K. Melissa, Melissa C. Jackie A. Sarah L. Liz E. UK. Liz. Okay. 
Uh, here's who I heard. Katie G, Charles H, Larry K, Melissa C, Jackie, I don't remember, Dara L, and Liz, I don't remember. <laughs> Was there anyone who spoke up who I didn't catch? Okay, great. So uh, Katie G, take it away. Good morning, Rebecca. Thanks for taking the meeting. Um, Praise God. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered. I pray that I'm a nobody now. Um, You know, a lot of times at the new year, I'll say, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to hang in there. Um, I'm devastated. I'm doomed, but I'm going to hang in there. And, you know, the best suggestion I got was to give up. You know, from what you tell me, I know more than ever that I can't stop and that they laughed. The devastation and darkness that comes in with step one is exactly where I need to be each and every day. I have no power. I have no choice. I have no control with food. And my life, I have no power. I have no choice. I have no control. And when I'm a nobody, I don't matter. I'm teachable. Thanks be to God. I was doing a resentment turnaround the other day, and I was very disturbed because I saw people criticizing and critiquing and da-da-da-da-da, and I was like, well, I need to change this for the good of 12-step recovery. And thank God my sponsor said to me, what if you were a nobody? What if it doesn't matter? What if it's not your job? What if these are God's kids, Katie, and you don't have to manage them? So I have to tell you, the position of being a nobody and not knowing is the only place I've ever learned. When I stopped being the I know guy, when I stopped presenting myself to my sponsor and saying, hey, you know what, this is what I'm going to do for my food. This is what I'm going to do for my recovery. When I stopped that, I started to learn. Why? Because everything I think I know has gotten me down on my knees face first in the food, in bulimia, in the scale, without God. And if I'm teachable, I'm throwing my hands up and I'm saying, help me. Tell me what to do. Hey, sponsor, tell me what to do. Hey, God, whatever's happening right now is not the problem. The problem is my judgment of the situation. God, please teach me. Show me who to be and what to do right now in this moment. So please, God, let me continue to be a nobody. Please help me be teachable and set aside everything I think I know because I don't know the answer. And with that, I do pass. Thanks, Katie G. Charles H. Good morning. Thank you, Rebecca. You know, thank you, my sis. You know I love you and I ain't jacking. But, you know, so many people... They capping because people starting over. I'm clapping because you ain't never give up. And, and, and you know, like, like my sister just said, you know, I, I love going to uh, Vision for You conventions because we, we got three people that, that, you know, are main speakers, and they all have their different interpretations, um, and, and they're big book scholars. You know, you guys on the line are big book scholars. You know, uh, follow me around with a flashlight all day, especially when I go to a better place on 86th Street. 
it's maniacs there. And, I, and, and yesterday, I'm going to keep it official. Like, I went in there and I used silent scorn as a defense mechanism. And today, I'm starting over, right? Because, like, my friend in Colorado, we wash, rinse, and repeat. If I was so damn recovered, I, I wouldn't be warring with – there's a war going on on the line. There's people, like, like, like seven other people, like, trying to sound better than other people. Follow them around for 24 hours, right? Why don't you be their 10-step partner, <laughs> right? I'm here because I'm not all there. I'm clapping because you're starting over today. I'm starting over today from, from, from this emotional disorder that I have. Yes, I'm abstinent. Yes, the weight's coming off. But we hear that food and weight is not the problem. Yes, that's me. I love Bill D. Yes, that's me. He was a deacon beating people up, he, counselor, and, 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 and now, right now, after he gets this, see, it's a time frame. On the third day, he, gave it, he turned his life over, right? He set aside what he thought he knew for a new experience. And he, he, he was a power in the church that he left based on beating people up. He started over. We can, I dare you to start over today. I dare you to set aside what you think you know, Charles, for a new experience. There's a war going on inside, inside the mind every single day. And today I'm starting over. I'm loving on those people that I hate. That's a start. That's a great start. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Charles H. Larry K. Hi, Rebecca. Good morning. Thanks for your service. Says, uh, yes, that's me, the very image. So at my first um, OA meeting, I remember uh, a woman talked about how uncomfortable uh, she felt before uh, she reached into that bakery box, and I, I could identify with that feeling. Um, so, you know, here, here it is again in black and white in the big book. You know, someone opened up the doctor's opinion and said they are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience that sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few bites. He had to say a few bites for me, for me to identify. Bites which they see others taking with impunity, without consequence. So, so back to our paragraph. Um, Dotson says, from what you tell me, I know more than ever I can't stop. And then they start laughing. I don't know about you, but I'm sensitive to laughter in the midst of my pain. But, you know, sometimes in the face of the absurdity of our powerlessness, all we can do is laugh, you know, I get that. Because on, on page 45, and this should be tattooed on my face so I can see it in the mirror, although it'll be backwards, um, <laughs> I need to see it. Our human resources as marshaled, you know, controlled by the will were insufficient. They failed utterly. So no matter how bad I desire not to eat the Snicker bar, marshalling all my willpower to refrain from jamming the snicker bar into my mouth, guess what? I'll be damned if I'm not savoring that chocolatey snicker bar and all the while hating myself for how weak-willed I am. And page 45 punches me right in the nose again. It says, lack of power, that was our dilemma. So I'll end with this. Bill Dotson had a 100% chance of drinking again unless he had a revolutionary spiritual transformation as a result of the steps. Me too. Me too. In 2022, you too, perhaps. 
we've got to have this change as a result of the steps or we're going to drink again. We're going to eat again. It's that simple. With that, I pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Larry K. Melissa C. Hi. Good morning. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, everybody. Great shares this morning, and my mind is now like all of us. My name is Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. And, you know, I read this and I think, okay, why are they laughing? And what's the deal with him, you know, being so put off by their laughter? And I think, you know, well, I think they're laughing, you know, and, and chuckling for three important reasons, right, for three big things. One is what irony that now they look like they're somebody, right? And I would imagine that they showed up there, you know, dressed nice, in suits. That's what I've, you know, been told that these kind of calls were made. You know, you put yourself together, and their presentation spoke that they were now somebody. But they were telling their story, so clearly, you know, he had an indication that they weren't always somebody, you know. But I think they're smiling at the at the irony. And then the second thing is that, you know, they're meeting somebody right now who's who's clearly at step one, and that is something to delight and celebrate. You know, when we finally have conversations with someone, you know, um, and you can hear it in their voice that they are being crushed. Um, there's, you know, we're not sadistic. I'm not sadistic, but I delight in that. And and I think for the third reason, because we have a solution, right? We have an answer. We know that work that we have been, you know, gifted with. And, yes, it's a relationship with God that comes about through working these steps. And then I also think, you know, okay, why was he so sensitive about it? And I think about myself, you know, and, and in the throes of my addiction or in the throes of being me, you know, I'm, I'm human being another day, I perceive everything through the filter that is happening to me. And so... I would imagine that he was probably thinking, they're laughing at me. They're laughing at me, you know, rather than they're laughing at the delight. And then I think, like, as somebody, you know, who wants to be able to help other people, that we need to be sensitive. I need to be sensitive to, um, to people in their disease and having the perception that perhaps my delight is poking fun and the importance of these face-to-face encounters, and sometimes communication via the phone or via text, we lose that human thing. And I like so much to be able to speak to people. You know, and today, face-to-face meant I can't and on Zoom. I think we have the opportunity to really communicate that if we are laughing or smiling, it's not cool. That there's no cruelty behind the laughter and smile. And um, thanks for that all Thanks, Melissa C. It was a little difficult to hear you there at the end, um, but I didn't want to interrupt. Jackie, is it Jackie H? Maybe I can't remember. Well, while we're waiting for Jackie, if you got on late, I'll let you know that we just read on page Hi, this is. Hi. Oh, sorry. Hi, this Jackie. Is Jackie. I, this is Jackie A. from Connecticut. Oh, A, Jackie A. Before you before you share, Jackie, I'll just tell the latecomers 
that we're sharing on page 157, the sixth paragraph. Yes, that's me, said the sick man. Go right ahead, Jackie A. Thank you. Um, I love this. This speaks to me right where I'm at right now in my recovery. So I'm on step six and seven. And yesterday I got to share this with like a local home group that I'm a part of. So when it talks about, yes, that's me, the very image that your fellows know your stuff all right. So every Sunday I work at a recovery center and most of my folks that come there struggle with other addictions. But what happens is, is when they're stripped from those vices and in like a container hospitalization zone, we have catered food. We have one of the best catered food there in the food line. And um, you get to ask what you want. And so every week, including myself as a staff, I really work diligently with my sponsor in terms of portions and the people behind the line that are like extended guests and staff. Like they know my diet. They help me support it. Um, I'm very transparent with it. And you know, I, I do the best that I can. I sit with my coworkers who are in recovery for other substances and we support each other. And it's just, it's a really beautiful environment. Well, when I do the men's groups for the weekend electives, like I do feel like a superstar. I feel like some of the people on this line that like their names are known, their personalities are known. And my men on campus will like request like, Jackie, when are you running a class? Like they don't call it an elective. It's fun to them, but it's tenacious. And that's like a gift to me. Like that's something that moves through me. I have a lot of fun with it. I feel like there's a lot of grief, like what I hear about in Bill D's story. Um, there's definitely, I call it like buckets of salt tears. And then there's a bucket of freaking balloons and, and they can joke. And I feel like the guys need to get their little kids' senses out. So I love when, like, this line talks about the, the visitors burst into laughter. Like, I'm not afraid to laugh at the irony of a situation and give the men the permission to do it. Now, where I get kicked is when I do the women's groups because, to me, that's a very vulnerable topic, and I'm myself in recovery. So, like, with my women, um, just, like, working, like, gender-specific trauma roles for a while, like, it's very difficult. I feel like we have to get our venom out. I feel like once our venom's out, we don't bite ourselves like little cobras and we can laugh and get back antibodies of like recovery. But until that happens, it's scary. And if I'm running a group and my dyslexia pops up because of my anxiety, yeah, I'm thinking of that food line and I have to be very cautious. I pad my day, my action plan with like talking to fellows before I go into work, while I'm at work with my coworkers, the food line, everything going on a vision for you podcast after on my commute in, I get to listen to 20 minutes of the special edition. Like it's scary. So this environment um, for me is just, oh yeah. So I wanted to say thank you for this paragraph. And with that, I pass. Oh, thanks Jackie A. Dara L. Hi, great. Um, I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia and um, love this, you know, uh, because I don't, I don't actually believe that the, that the men are laughing at him. You know, my experience is when, 
when someone calls me and they're like, oh, you know, you're, you're doing so amazing or, what, you know, whatever people say, I laugh at myself. Like I just start cracking up because I think, oh, my gosh, sweetheart, you have no idea. You know, you have no idea where I came from, you know, like that I was throwing up, you know, and, and, and killing myself with food. Like, I mean, to me, it's just recognition of the power of God and the fact that like, I, I was, I was exactly where you are, you know, if not worse. And so, and I remember when I was new and shaky and I'd call recovered people and I'd be like, you've got it all together, you know, and they would, and they would laugh and they weren't, I don't think they were ever laughing at me. You know, I think it was just this recognition of like, oh my gosh, sweetie, do you know, you know, I did three tenth steps this morning. Like, you know, I'm still, we're the same, you know, and that's what I get out of the laughter. And for me, you know, it's been a beautiful thing because when I came into this program, I had no capacity to laugh. I was so broken inside. I hated myself. I hated my life. I, you know, and I didn't think anyone understood me. I felt so terminally unique. And to go from that to being someone who belly laughs every day, you know, who calls my fellows and I'm like, you know, hey, so-and-so, listen to the crazy going on inside my head. And then I show up, you know, and support and, and help someone else. And um. And that's not me, you know, that's God. And I have to kind of laugh at the way the paragraph before it talked about the warped mind. And that is something that I, you know, I crack myself up every day when I think about my crazy mind in recovery, you know, my, my crazy recovered mind. Um, when I, I'll call someone and I'll do a 10 step and I'll go into it being like this, you know, S, this SOB or this jerk or whatever, you know, and then I'll, I'll give away a 10 step. And by the end of it, I'm cracking up at the fact that I, had the audacity to think what I thought, you know, what I was, the the lies that my mind tells myself. And so, yeah, I mean, I think this whole process is like hysterical and deadly and, and both things can be true. And I think, you know, there's something in the big book that talks about that, about like, you know, the, the fact that we're all, we were all drowning, we were all dying and now we have a joy. Um, but also, you know, this like fierce, recognition that if I don't do this work, it's going to kill me. And so I, I find actually like great peace in the fact that today I can laugh at myself um, and who I used to be and see myself reflected in others. Um, and, you know, yeah, that, that's the hope. If this was, if this was a, a doom okay. and gloom, yeah, thank you. If this is a doom and gloom program. You know, I certainly wouldn't want to do it. So uh, anyways, glad to be here and I'll pass. Thanks, Jara L. Liz, is it Liz E, maybe? Good morning. Yeah, it's um, Liz E for Elegant Recovered Compulsive Overeater in the UK. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service and everybody else serving today. I'm really grateful for you all on the line. Um, What does this speak to me? This speaks to me, um, yes, that's me. That reminds me of that powerlessness when I was listening to a to you know my sponsor telling me, sharing their experience, strength, and hope. Yes, that's me. That's me ticking off all of those things. And also, it reminds me about you know seeing the similarities and not not getting hooked up on the differences. 
because with my obsessive mind, I can, you know, the disease can make me think, oh, maybe perhaps I'm not. But I can tell you for free, I really am a compulsive overeater. And I need to work on this every single day. And part of the noticing the differences is one of my defects is that I'm super, super ridiculously sensitive. And um, I didn't realize that. I've only learned this in the last 12 months that, you know, if somebody says something that offends me or hurts me, crushes me, just, you know, tweaks me off balance a bit, boy, I will hold it internally for light and let it fester and fester. Um, so here, it's also saying uh, the very image, you fellows know your stuff all right. And yeah, that's really, really important that people who are sharing and sponsoring know their stuff, that their recovery is good and solid. And something else I'm learning as a sponsor is that Sometimes you, you really need to tune into how your sponsee learns, understands, and communicates. And sometimes it's important to maybe tweak how you do your sponsoring so that your sponsee can get the best out of it. Um, and um, it's important that I'm in tune with that so that when I share my experience, strength, and hope. It's useful to them and that it's helpful to them and that I can help them. Um, from what you tell me, I know more than ever I can't stop. That again takes me back to that beginning. And understanding for me, at the, you know, about the allergy was just a real light bulb moment. I'd been in the fellowship for years, but I had never really, really understood. And for the first time, I understood why I can't stop. And that has been so helpful for me personally, so that Bye. I can, and I will leave it there. Thanks a million. Bye. Oh, thanks, Lizzie. Okay, if you haven't shared on A Vision for You on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the sixth paragraph on page 157 in the big book of AA, yes, that's me, said the sick man through damn little to laugh about that I can see, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Nancy Oh, dear, I didn't get a single name. I heard Nancy T. Russ M. Russ M. Donna S. Donna. Phil M. Tina. Phil. Valerie B. Valerie B. And that's all we have time for. So I, I'll More just repeat who I got. I'm not sure who that last one was, but I don't think we're going to have time. It's Russ, uh, Nancy P., Russ M., Donna, Tina, Phil, and Valerie. Nancy P., go right ahead. Hi, good morning. Nancy P. calling, recovered in Western Massachusetts. Uh, I don't know. This this is just more nails in the coffin. You know, it goes over and over and over again about, how, <clears throat> excuse me, about how, you know, how we get better. Um, and everybody's talking about the guy in the bed. Um, and the guy in the bed 
he you know he needed to be flat on his back before he would re- before he would surrender and um to get there he needed a crushing blow to his pride just like bill and fred you know devastating blow crushing blow and i'm i am crushing i am pro crushing blow because that's the only way that i could even get my that my attention could even be peaked you know otherwise i was just like a a heat seeking missile just going to the food and um but on the other hand, the guys, the guys that went to visit him, the first sentence of this chapter says practical experience proves or shows, meaning to prove, that nothing so much ensures immunity from drinking as intensive work with another alcoholic. And so that's what they do. And, you know, the crushing blow to my pride was when I had finally realized that there was no way around this, no way through it, no way over it under it anyway, except to do what the book says exactly, immediately, and as hard as I could. And once I did that, once I got over my terminal uniqueness, I got better, and I got better fast. I mean, this wasn't, you know, I just was talking to somebody on the phone last night. It wasn't undergraduate school, graduate school, postgraduate degree, postdoc, scholarly papers, Nobel Prize. It wasn't that at all. It was like slog through, do all the stuff, and then you'll get better. And um, somebody asked me, I was on the phone, somebody called me and I was, we were talking and I felt really happy because I love to talk to people on the phone because it's carrying the message and it reminds me that I'm not special and that I'm one of many, not a part anymore. And she said, do you ever get angry? And it was, I'm sure everybody laughs, everybody gets angry. I, get, I said only 50 times a day. And, you know, but the point of all this is is that my feelings don't own me anymore. The urge to eat is all but suffocated. I don't, I never feel that anymore. I never, ever feel that anymore, ever. It's been removed, excised. It's in some medical waste dump someplace. And, but, you know, other things come up and, you know, somebody might not take a right on red or somebody might, you know, put their toothbrush away in the wrong way. You know, it could be anything. And, um, but that doesn't stop me from being, happy, joyous, and free, and being eager to be helpful to others. Um, and anybody that wants to talk to me, I'm in the book, as they say, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Nancy T. Russ M. Russ M. Good morning. Sorry about that. Good morning. Thanks, Rebecca. Good morning, everybody. Russ M. Recovered, false flavor eater from outside of Philly. So when I, I when I see this paragraph, that first uh, phrase there, that yes, that's me. So December six, December of 2016, I was floundering, wasn't in program. I stumbled on a podcast. I heard these two dudes that you know and love on this line, and uh, I identified, and that's what I said. So yeah, that's me. That's me, man. How how do you get there? How do you get to that point, right? And I was a nobody, and I never thought I could stop. I, I thought I was done. So this paragraph, you know, brings out in me how you know people identify with with what we're going through. If we if we tell them the, the you know the, the the truth in our in our story, just not blasting them and dovetailing that. They, you know, these guys laughed at them. They were busting their shoes. You know, they were just, you know, 
like we've been there. We know what you got, cause we'll we'll take care of you. We'll we'll help you out, kind of like that. But it also brings up in me how am I bringing my how am I twelve seven somebody? Am I hitting them over the head with a hammer, or or am I trying to make it light with the truth, not 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 holding back, not telling them what they need to hear or sugarcoating it, but not punch them in the head. You know, like that's what I did when I when I first started sponsoring, and it did not work out really well. There was no understanding or even respect. It just had to be done that certain way. I was cocky, and you know, I got I got humbled. So this is what that paragraph, this this passage, this paragraph means to me. It's like I had to identify to get had somebody had to talk to me, share a twelve step with me that identify with the garbage of my life. And when I share my 12 step, that I have to do the same with love, tolerance, and even understanding without sugarcoating it. So have a great day. God bless you. Love you. Thanks, Russ M. Donna, and give us your last initial. Hi, I'm, I'm Donna M. from Toronto, Canada. I'm grateful to be on the line this morning and to have listened to all the shares. So it says, um, you fellows know your stuff all right. So that tells me that it's important as a recovered member that I know how to carry the message today to others who are suffering. And the message that I carry is that the problem is the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And that there, there are the 12 steps that we, the program of action that we need to take to be recovered. And, you know, for years, I didn't understand the problem. I thought that I could just pull out my willpower and I would control it. And today I know that my darkest past is my greatest asset. So, so I share my stories of trying to control it and all the excuses that I used to, to tell myself that I could control it. And today I also share what recovery looks like for me. Um, you know, I used, to, I used to think I could control it and then some emotional distress disturbance would come along and usually it would be some disagreement with my mother and um, all of a sudden I'd be backing backing the food and today I understand that when an emotional disturbance comes up because it will time and time again each day that it is the power is my higher power and turning that over I get to see my defects, the awareness of my defects, and I get to turn that over to my higher power um, and to behave differently through my higher power. Thank you. Um, Thanks for the opportunity to share, and I'll pass. Thanks, Donna M. Tina. Thanks so much, Rebecca. For your service, Tina S. Recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great meeting! You know, uh, 
wasn't going to share it, but I just, I couldn't resist, you know, I want to get on the bandwagon for sure, you know, for sure. And, you know, I, I also agree that, you know, when the guys are laughing, they certainly weren't laughing at him. They were laughing at themselves, the, the, um, the man in the bed thinking that, you know, they were all that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my, I have that same um, experience where people say to me, you don't ever get angry. How, your life is so good. You must be perfect and all that stuff. And, you know, and I, and I have to laugh when they say it, you know, because the bottom line is, you know, uh, when Tina's doing Tina's deal, look out. You know, and one day at a time, you know, my, my helping others and you know, practicing these principles in all my affairs, whether I want to or not, and I have many affairs, you know, I get reprieve. You know, I don't have to pick up the food. Now, that, you know, when I lay my head on the pillow at night is great, you know, but what's better is if I can really be of service to somebody else and be a different person. You know, uh, and that's what I strive for today, you know, and, and I, you know, on the same page as everybody else, many 10 steps, you know, I have the opportunity, but the good news is it says when these crop up, it does not say if, so it tells me that they're gonna, you know, that I'm going to have some stuff that I can share with somebody else so that I can be a better person and that I can let people know that there is a solution. I do not have to eat. I do not have to drink. I do not have to have sex with outside you know, my relationships or shop or any of those things that I do, you know, because today a power greater than myself, you know, lets me know what the solution is, you know, and I can be of service. And, you know, and I love that we talk about helping others because that's what it's all about. And I didn't come here wanting to do that. I just have to say that, you know, but today it's the first thing I ask for in the morning when I say my prayers, Lord, show me, God, show me what I can do for the man who is still sick. You know, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Tina S. Phil. Hello, did you call Phil? I did call Phil. Remind us your initial of your last name. Yes, I'm Phil M. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Northern Ireland. And it's such a privilege to be on this meeting. It really is. And the the reading reminded me how I felt when I was in the food. I I really was a nobody. I was a walking body. I was a shell with nothing worthwhile inside. I wasn't present to me and I wasn't present to anyone else. It was all about the food. I worked um, in a a lovely grocery store um, some years ago. And when I was abstinent, I could really see my customers. And I cared about what was happening for them. But when I was in the food, all I could see was the food. And I would be focusing on that. And I would be planning what I would buy after my shift. That was definitely all that I could see. An empty shell I was. Now, I I feel that I am somebody. There is a substance to what I am. I'm in recovery today. And today I've had a beautiful conversation with a lovely non-binary member of OA. And while we were chatting, I was removing the Christmas baubles and we shared photos of her decorations and of mine. Some of them bought by my children and who mean an awful lot, but, you know, because that mean an awful lot to me. Um, and two more conversations uh, lined up for this afternoon. And they will be a blessing. One when this meeting ends and one later. 
So uh, two days ago, uh, my daughter was in labour and she was in labour for 11 and a half hours. Her little baby girl was born at 11.30 in the evening, just narrowly missing her mummy's birthday. And just what a gorgeous gift. She's a little interracial uh, baby. She's gorgeous. They're looking for a name now that bridges the Irish and Indian um, cultures. And uh, they said they might take the full 40 days, but that will work out. So my daughter has a powerful supporter in her loving, kind, warm, witty husband. Helen is so lucky, and so is our wee baby. And I'm so grateful for that. And now that I'm, you know, in recovery one day at a time, because I struggled there with the anxiety about my daughter, the food deal called me a little bit, but I was given the grace to have my first Absent Christmas in a long time, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful to be here and know that I matter to them too, and I can be a somebody for them. They're in England, and I will get over to hold my little baby and to give my daughter a big hug and a big thank you for providing me. Sorry, with the gift of my second granddaughter. I'm so grateful for my OA fellows here and for this journey that has changed my life so much. Fine. Thank you all very much. With that, I pass. Thanks, Phil M. Valerie. Hello, this is Valerie B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Maryland. Um, what an amazing meeting. I mean, how could I, I feel, how could I follow that? Oh, my goodness. Um, I just, uh, I woke up this morning, um, somebody called me uh, very before the meeting to, you know, ask me to be their sponsor. And um, as I woke up, I was so grateful for that call. Normally, you know, a call like before seven, I'm, I'm not blessed by. But uh, this particular morning, I was so blessed because I woke up from, I don't know if I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I had a food dream, and um, I uh, I woke up and I when I woke up I was like oh oh so I didn't I didn't eat it I didn't do it I was like oh thank you God you know and I was like you know like of course I'll be your sponsor you know I was so happy you know and and um, and uh, and to to hear this on the meeting today I am so grateful so grateful to be here so grateful for this program and. Uh, and so grateful to be abstinent. And um, the other thing I'm really grateful for is, is with this program with Vision that we, we study the big book, we study the steps, because I've been in, in other OA programs, and when the pain would come up, when things from the past would come up, um, uh, I, I, I'm, reg- I'm, I'm basically newly, newly abstinent um, and recovered. Uh, I, I didn't know where to go with the pain, you know, these painful things. I didn't know where to go. And I would, I remember asking people in the program and um, back then, it was about 30 years ago now, boy, I'm old. Uh, it's, you know, I, it was like nobody had an answer, you know, and I, and, and now today when, when, when things come up, when the pain from the past comes up, you know, because we're not stuffing it down with, 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 you know, our, our substance, food of choice, whatever. Um, you know, I, I now I know where I can go with it. I can do a 10-step. I can do a 4-step. I can pray. I can call somebody. 
and uh, and and we know we know how to deal with that. And I'm very very grateful. And I just want to, uh, you know, thank you all for this program. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Valerie B. Guess what? We have enough time for someone who tried to get on who I said we didn't, and that's Maura Z. Rebecca, thank you for your bionic ears. That's amazing because I thought I was muted when I said my name. This is Maura Z, and I am trying to recover in Virginia. And I just had to share on this paragraph because what it says to me this very morning is that I'm actually grateful and I understand the laughter. Because I used to be in a position where I was the person laughing. And to me, that laughter simply meant, I've been where you are. I understand where you are. I understand and I know that pain. And I'm laughing because there's freedom on the other side. I'm laughing because there is a way out. And um, I am in hope this morning because of that. And not taking anything for granted. But grateful to have all of you on the line this morning. And grateful that I woke up on time to hear a full meeting for the first time in a very long time. And with that, I will pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Maura Z. Does anybody want to share for just two minutes? Quick. All right. It'll have to be me then. It's Rebecca S. And I'll close this out. Um, you know, that's me. He says it or two paragraphs before. That's me. That's me. And then he's saying it again now. And I've learned in this program that as a sponsor, you know, first I had to go through the that's me, that's me experience. And now when I sponsor other people, that's what I tell my sponsees we're looking for. How can you, you know, do what you can to identify with Bill and Dr. Bob. Look for the that's me, that's me factor. The more we can relate to these two alcoholics as addicts like we are, the better chance we have of truly embracing step one and being able to apply these steps in our lives and have live in a recovered state. And... Um, and I get that it puts a smile on my face because that's what we're looking for. We want the, per- the person who's suffering to uh, get that that's me experience because from there you, you're going to do great. You're going to recover just like this um, bozo on the bus recovered and those two bozos on the bus recovered. And with that, I pass. So... Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, January 4th, 2022, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 18,353. That's 18353. 
please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Elena C. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Good morning. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.